You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. And welcome to another edition of Nerdificent. I am one half of your host, Danny Fernandez, sitting across from me, as always, is Ify Wadiwai, Danny's work husband, forever. I guess that's locked true. in. It's true. Ring I said, till the end. You know, it's really. We have a pact. We do. We do. No, it's we true. We have people, to marry each other if we know, don't get married. People, no, that is absolutely not it. Because we have to marry we, each we have, other. Nope, we've both already been married, so yeah, we yeah. actually don't have to do anything. Um, no, no, exactly. Um, so now we got. <laughs> nope. And then on top of that, People will literally hit me up. I know people hit you up, though, when they need my number. But people will hit me up and be like, where's your work husband? I'm like, I don't fuck. Like, are you asking about where he is supposed to be on set? Like, I don't know where he's yeah, at. I swear, yours yours is way cooler because when people hit me up, it's like, hey, I want to hire Danny. I know. <laughs> people are like, where's Ify's bum, bum self? <laughs> Why isn't he riding your coattails in this? Instance? What I was going to say is our um, next week, we're having our good friend Mark Ellis on mm-hmm. and I pulled up a picture of him and I'm like, oh, my hubby, because like just we actually dated like years ago, but mm-hmm. he's just like also one of my best friends. So I just think like, I don't know, you all have to fight it out for yeah. who gets to be it my ultimate best friend. Very interesting that. Yeah, it's years ago now. You said mm-hmm. that and you're like, yeah, it is. Oh, man. Time is moving way too fast. My daughter's getting older. She's learned no, not a fan of her knowing that word. She's told me to slow down. She says I drive too fast and I'm mad because she's right. Um, But, you know, you know how it goes. Do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, that that (laughs) third voice you hear is the producer of this very cast. Oh, It is a good man and his name is Dan Goodman. Uh, hey guys. Yeah, how many times have people done well, that? Well, actually, how many podcasts do you produce? Yeah, um, I produce quite a few. I, I'm more of like a c- executive producer on things like Daily Zeitgeist, which is mostly Anna Hosnier's Beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like Worst Year Ever, which is mostly Sophie Sophie Lichterman's, but uh, Chelsea Handler, which was also Sophie's. I mostly do editing and engineering and uh, recording and stuff like that. But I, uh, you know, 
been working with y'all for a long time. Yeah, yeah. like a, over a year. I think yeah. so. Before Will Ferrell invaded our, <laughs> our home. Yeah, before before iHeart took over. Yeah. <laughs> We do like y'all. Uh, iHeart, who obviously the president of iHeart listens to every episode. <laughs> yeah, Bob Pittman. Hey, yeah, how you doing, yeah, bud? How you doing? Settle Bobby in. P. It's a good one. We love yeah. Mr. Hart. Um, <laughs> wait, okay. Yeah, it's owned by Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> iHeart Radio. <laughs> what is his again? Heartbeat. His yeah. is Heartbeat. Um, Jim, what are you geeking out about this week? I am geeking out about Death Stranding. I think oh. a lot of people are geeking out about Death Stranding right now, but I'm just really enjoying it. It, it hits that you know little nerve of... I don't know. Package delivery is like really therapeutic, I guess. And just yeah. driving around this weird landscape has been a lot of fun. That's been the wild thing to me is that that is the game. You're yeah. just a UPS guy. Yeah. <laughs> and people are having a blast. I'm going to get into it eventually, but there has been an influx of game between that and Pokemon Sword and Shield. Oh and, you know, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of yeah. games coming out right now. Yeah. What about y'all? What yeah, are you guys geeking out yeah, What about you, Danny? Well, I thought you were going to take mine, but I guess I get to go for oh, a Baby Yoda. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. That's... Also, it's just like taking over my Twitter feed. Yeah. Like, there could not be more. I think I tweeted, though, and I made people, I said, Baby Yoda isn't vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> Rachel Hine, yeah. who's obsessed with Baby Yoda, now was like, let me have one thing. That's facts, though. That's true. I mean, yeah. it's kind of true. Yeah. Baby Yoda can't go to preschool yet. Well, and then it was, yeah, and then it was really funny because John Favreau actually tweeted the concept art and and somebody replied Jeremy um, Simser who's actually working he's like the storyboard artist for WandaVision uh, which is I think going to be on Disney Plus right Mm -hmm. yeah and um he, so John tweeted the concept art for Baby Yoda, and Jeremy was like, "So you just went with the first thing?" <laughs> it was literally just Baby. It was like to a T what we saw. Yeah. Hilarious. So, oh. anyways, yeah, that's that's a good thing. Well, what I'm geeking out besides Baby Yoda is Pokemon Sword and Shield, and this is the first time. And they streamlined so many things, and you know, some people feel some way, some people don't. There's no longer any EV training because they're the like stats aren't capped anymore. It's very like when you catch or fight Pokemon, it automatically goes through the whole party. So everyone, you know, some people might be like, it's easier, but I'm like, great, I'm an adult now. I got <laughs> responsibility. So right before I sleep, I can just sit back and just power level. Like, it's funny that even though it's easier, I'm like, I'm still going to power level. So I just mm-hmm. one shot every every Pokemon that comes <laughs> at me. So that is. Is kind of the, like I I want to say taken over my life, but really it's just kind of been there for me when I just have some downtime. So that game's good. been popping up in the news a lot. Would you say none of the hate is justified? I have no opinion on this. I haven't played the game, and I think all internet whining is lame. But yeah, I mean, what do you, what's your take on it? Yeah, it it, it this whew, I I it's very complicated because like I as someone who like just in enjoys whatever they give to me like in a pokemon game i'll be fine i mean like it's a very fine game it plays just well and it seems like the things people are mad about are like almost like very nitpicky where it's like oh there's not the national pokedex and all this stuff and i think it i do come from a weird place knowing like wanting to go in a game design being in a place where I work with gaming. I know what goes into game design. And a lot of times the consumer asks for things without even considering like what has to go in it. You know, you, you don't right. like they, and, and like, then like people get very like 
weirdly nuanced with their thing where it's like if they would have just said and was like well how about for once in your life you give someone the benefit of the doubt how about instead of saying like if they would have just did this you just go like well maybe they wanted to do this and they didn't but we don't we're we're at this weird place and i and i have a creeping suspicion uh that they're gonna release a snyder cut because it's because they across the board have have had all the actors that have been a part of it saying it's i think it's time to release and it feels like a social media campaign and i don't like the culture of allowing people to just yell at yell at creators to get what they want right uh i think you know there are some people out there who make you know a like genuine criticism and desires and being great about it. But for every one of those people, there are 20 anime avatars saying heinous stuff to creators. And, and so I don't know the game freak thing. It seemed like just don't buy it. Like we, it's always this in gaming. This has kind of been a circular thing where like there's a large pitchfork gang of people mad about something in games and then you have the other side that goes then don't buy it yeah but they do buy it the part that scares me is also when it comes to casting yeah like you know we haven't seen that quite yet well we've seen it a little bit and some of the backlash with casting has been justified like if it were um whitewashed or something but when i think of like casting that i'm afraid of in that world it would be like when people freaked out about heath ledger being cast as a joker or even if you go all the way back to like if there was social media back then michael keaton being yeah Mm. batman like you know nobody believed in them and so like is that how far it's gonna go like if somebody one of us here on this podcast gets cast in a role and you know for a superhero or a villain and uh, <laughs> and then people are all mad and they're like no I wanted Gina Rodriguez and then it's like you know if enough people scream about it are they yeah. gonna is the studio gonna give in like that's the thing that kind of scares me from I, a selfish standpoint <laughs> I love 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 that you used Heath Leather Ledger as an example because I think and even now Same thing. People were mad at Joaquin Phoenix. Now Joker fans are like coming at anyone's neck who doesn't like it. But they were, it was the same people who were like, Oh, this, I don't like this. I don't like this. And now you're threatening critics and like doxing critics over the guy that you didn't want. And then same thing. Heath Ledger came out and now he's untouchable. No one will beat that role, but y'all did not like it. How about you just wait till the movie comes out and then see what you think before making yourself look silly by doing that it's a shocking proposition but and i think the thing that makes it so wild is that they just pretend like that never happened like you're not seeing anyone online talking about how they were how they were wrong about the never they're just and that's oh daniel craig remember we talked about him being cast as james bond Mm -hmm. like my main thing is that like it scares me now because nobody was really listening back then like they took it in and they were like okay whatever but now that social media is so prominent it scares me that it might seep into not just like changing story or changing this but actually changing the actors that are cast i think it'll only work for nerd properties because i think hollywood has a very strong ego and they'll be damned if they let some dorks online tell them what to do <laughs> you know because because we'll we can get them to change sonic we can get them to uh 
we can get them to uh, change, uh, uh, release a Snyder Cut, but we won't be able to stop them from letting white ladies write K-pop stories. You know, <laughs> like, like, like they're they're still gonna they're still gonna do what they want. And you know what? Hey, Rebel, you know you might nail it. Uh, I'm, I'll have to wait and see. <laughs> but also, I every time because there was a there was a thing where like there was the one side of me that was like, oh man, we should wait and see. But then there was the other side of me thinking about that like Korean American who was writing a K-pop yeah, totally. story who now does doesn't get to tell it because now that is so that's like the kind of like toss up of it is like when someone interjects with like a specific cultural story if someone from that culture is writing that story that that is now harder for them to sell because they're like well you know it's great i mean they were or you know who knows they'll they might have already passed on a k-pop and then they're gonna push this one uh cough cough book of life coco i'm looking at you even though coco was amazing and there were great latin american people a part of coco it's complicated (laughs) very we're talking about MOBAs today. Yeah, yeah. Would you like well, to? No, no, actually, I will point out that that is a great segue because speaking of complicated and speaking of gamings, <laughs> that is what MOBAs, aka multiplayer online battle arenas, are. So, uh, um, and they're, they're also known by very, 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 very few people as action real-time strategy games, but it's a subgenre of strategy video games that originated as a subgenre of real-time strategy games in which each player controls a single character, usually on a map, in an isometric perspective, which is more like a top-down for those in layman's terms. Mm-hmm. And you're a part of a team competing against another team of players. The ultimate objective is to destroy the opposing team's main structure with the assistance of periodically spawned computer-controlled units, also known as AI, artificial intelligent units, that march forward along set paths. However, MOBA games, uh, which is short for multiplayer online battle arena, can have other victory conditions, such as defeating every player on the enemy team. Player characters typically have a set of unique abilities that improve over the course of games, which contribute to a team's overall strategy. Multiplayer online battle arena games are a fusion of real-time strategy, role-playing, and action games. And though MOBA players usually do not construct buildings or units, there are examples of MOBA games that cannot be considered RTS at all, such as Smite and Paragon. The genre is a big part of the esports community. And that's the last I'll probably reference this doc because this is something I do know very well. As a matter of Hell fact, yeah. before we even go into this, I'm going to just double check. I'm going to scroll to see what I was going to say. Boom. Can't curse. <laughs> and I was real proud of how right I am. <laughs> MOBAs started as a uh, as a mod, which uh, mods. I know we 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 haven't even got that deep into mods, really, on. But mods are so PC gaming, which is one of the most fun ways to game. No, no hate for my console fam, but PC gaming. One of the big draws to it is that you can do mods to games. You can have like modifications, and uh, one of the biggest kind of like parts of that community was the RTS real-time strategy community because you were able to build maps and then upload them to the game servers for people to play. But because as we know, nerds always take things to the next level. They're like, Oh, what about instead of maps, we just made whole new game modes. So there were a whole different type of game modes where like it, it wasn't just MOBAs. They were like some like just like strategy farm and shooting. Looking at the history, StarCraft was a popular real time strategy game. Yeah. Blizzard released it in 1998. It became famous in a very short amount of time. Um, if you tell people what StarCraft, what is yeah. that? What is it like yeah. to play it? 
Oh man, yeah, let's talk about StarCraft because StarCraft is very, 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 very important to gaming and esports. Uh, it's, it's, it's like just, I want to put some respect on their name. So there was Warcraft, which eventually built the lore and led to the game World of Warcraft, which became its own beast. But Blizzard was like, hey, you know, let's get innovative. What if we did a sci-fi version of Warcraft? Now, just to for anyone who are, is not familiar with the craft games at all, typically it's a real-time strategy game uh, that kind of goes like this. You start off with a base and you have units. And you build worker units who can farm for resources, usually minerals and gold. You use those resources to build a base, a barracks, then you upgrade your weapons for more, uh, for stronger units as the game progresses. And then the first one to destroy the other player's home base wins. And the game had like a story that went along with it, but the game as itself, like the, that's the multiplayer aspect of the game. Starcraft does the same thing. Uh, it, it, it involves other races. So you have the Terrans, which were the humans. You have the Protoss, which were these weird alien dice and the Zerg who were these beasts. And then, like I said before, you were able to update, up, upload maps, and then you had mods. So StarCraft is very important to the gaming and esports community because of this reason. StarCraft blew up out here, very much so. But as the U.S. move on to other games and flighty as we are, Korea stick to StarCraft and was having huge million-dollar tournaments overseas for this game, which in turn will eventually be the thing that turns the tide for America to finally get the picture and go like, esports is big over here. Because America has like always had an esports community, but it's always been bigger in Korea. And this is very important like seed to plant now, because within this story, you will see how they bridge the gap between how big Starcraft is in uh, Korea to how it gets big over here. It's it's within this story. Uh, Dan is shaking his head in agreement. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of cool. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say. I mean, I would say esports in general really like bloomed in Korea, and, and how that community took esports and saw them as an event that could honestly make money. Yeah. If I'm just being real, they were like, let's just put a bunch of money into this. A lot of people want to watch this. They're coming out to these events and like Korean Starcraft is where esports was really kind of, you know, exploding and yeah. showed how it could be. I mean, like, I think that's the thing. I mean, Danny and I talked about it on like our episode about careers, but really everything is driven by money. I mean, that's why we Sadly have so. Transformers. You know, it was to sell toys like money. Right. I mean, money is the root of all evil, but is also the driver of all like capitalists. Once you get money involved, it can really catalyze like a lot of different things. But the first esports event I see saw on television, actual television, was a Korean StarCraft tournament being telecast on like ABC or NBC. Right. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so we have this game, StarCraft, and there's a there's a player called Aeon64 who created a map called Aeon of Strife. And this was like the first brick of the, like the MOBA game. Uh and in this map, players controlled a single unit and fought a team against AI units in three lanes. The basis of the two teams were uh at the end of three lanes, and the objective was to destroy the other team's base. Mm -hmm. So this is like the skeletons of a MOBA because that's one of the main things. I think just right off rip, I can tell you the win condition in most MOBAs is to destroy the other team's main base with their usually 
almost always being three lanes. Right. And there are towers, uh, tiered towers on each team side. So most teams have two towers before you get to the inner home base tower. And you it's kind of like a slow game of attrition between the two teams. Um, and the reason these units are so important is because obviously since you have uh, usually about five like player characters, sometimes they're going to be going to the other lanes to help each other out. And while that's happening, you still have your AI controlled units attacking. Right. Yeah, that was a big development that came with Dota after Aeon Strife. Aeon Strife was really what developed or what like set the standard of the three lanes. And then it, and we don't need to move on quite yet. But yeah, it was three lanes, 4v4. It was like the max that the map would allow at the time. And it was the kind of thing where players were like, we can't really split evenly amongst these yeah. three lanes with four players on each side. And it kind of developed a meta of having different t- types of players play together as a team in different lanes to, you know, that just started the meta of, of, a, of two players working together, one acting as a support to the other player. And that kind of started there. So yeah. can you... Um- can you explain what Dota is to people? Sure, absolutely. So uh, Dota is uh, short for Defense of the Ancients. It was a custom map made within Warcraft 3 by this guy named Yule, um, real name Kyle Sommer, Sommer. And it really developed on the MOBA, uh, developed on Aeon Strife by giving the map a lot more character, developing it significantly graphically and also just shape-wise, Aeon Strife really played as a left-to-right kind of map, whereas Dota is much more of a square where the lanes peak up the uh, the outsides and insides with a big middle lane that goes across the center diagonally. And uh, Dota added something very specific that has you know maintained throughout all of MOBAs, any kind of MOBA, which is the jungle. And the jungle was the way to get in between each lanes, and it added a whole nother role to MOBAs, which was the jungler, the person whose job it was strictly to help out their teammates in their own solo lanes. Yeah. So typically, you know, as we go through the history, we'll also be refreshing with just straight up, you know, MOBA knowledge. Right. Typically, the main roles that you have for the lanes is top, which is exactly like it sounds, the top lane which is usually a solo player who's pushing with usually a beefier tanker tankier champion because you're doing that by yourself. Then you have mid, which is usually like a nuker champion or a mage because that's, since that's the shortest lane, it's a lot of back and forth and it's kind of the most contentious point. Then you have the bottom lane, which usually has two shared roles, which is the ADC, which, uh, attack damage carry. mm -hmm. Think like a glass cannon. Yeah. And then you have your support, which is there to protect the attack damage carry, mm-hmm. making sure. And it's and it's not as simple as just kind of playing, because also as the support, you have to make sure you're not stealing any of the creep kills, mm-hmm. uh, which, like I said, we'd said this was complicated. Let's talk about creep kills. So those little AI controlled units are known as creeps and you get experience for killing them only if you get the last hit on them. So you get you get some experience for killing them, but you get more if you get the last hit. So that means that the ADC has to time they, both the ADC, the top and mid have to time their hits to make sure they get the last hit, which means that the support needs to be protecting them because that's where the other team will try and harass to make sure you're not getting all your last hits. Right. It's a very I would compare it to almost football and why I think it helped in pushing the esports because 
this all sounds complicated, but if you're watching it, it kind of makes sense. Like you may not know like the minutia of what's going on, but you can kind of visually see what's going on. I think like the battle over creep is a really good comparison to things like you said with football. It's kind of like running plays where you're using these short kind of you know, things that you know you can make progress on to make small leaps across the field. It's like if you know that you are going to be able to get all of your creep kills, you can really concentrate on that to create a small advantage over your opponent, especially in the beginning of the game. Yes. Another thing just about the creep kills, just to go back to that real fast, is that they also give you money, which is another big important thing about MOBAs in general. The money that you get allows you to buy items back at your home base, and those items make your character better, as well as getting experience and leveling up, making your abilities better. The items you get also buff your abilities and your power and just make you stronger. So that getting creep is not only just a small advantage in the actual lanes, it's 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 crucial to your development throughout the game of getting items and leveling up and stuff like that. So if I can just take two steps back and suck us out into the minutia and just sure. make it... Yeah, and that's where the RPG element comes in, right? Because now you're having, you know, you're 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 kind of doing what all across all RPGs we know as a build, right? You're trying to build specific stats, specific armor, specific things, and lots of players go into this knowing what they want to buy, mm. and that's and that's that's the kind of fun of it is everyone. I mean, that's the kind of fun and the toxicity of it, which I think will save the toxicity of the community. To, uh, to 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 later oh, it's there. Um, because it's there and I have lots of theories why. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of later, we have to take a really quick break and then we're going to hop back into MOBAs right after this. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. iHeart Podcast Awards 2023 Podcast of the Year Las Culturistas with SNL's Bowen Yang and comedian Matt Rogers. There's stuff happening in 2024 that we really need to address. Pop culture and huge guests like the latest episode with Dua Lipa. The more I think about it, the more scared and nervous I get. Listen to the newest episode of Las Culturistas with Dua Lipa and all episodes on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Las Culturistas to start listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame starting May 7th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. We're still talking about MOBAs. Um, Ify, tell people about League of Legends. Oh, man. So League of Legends was the first 
standalone MOBA game because at this point when we're talking about Dota, Dota is a mod that so I I got into Dota. Whew, if we go way back, I was I just moved back in with my dad on Lake Elsinore. I was taking computer science courses because I still thought I wanted to be a programmer, game designer. And I, there was this kid in my uh, computer science class because, of, because of course, and he was like, you got to play this game. Dota, Dota is the game. Yeah. And he's like, okay, but you're going to have to buy Warcraft three and frozen throne. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, wait, you just made me have to buy two games <laughs> to play one. Yeah. Uh, and so, so league of legends was the like first game where you just bought you just bought that game and it was a standalone game. And all these characters in league are based off of known characters in Dota. That's definitely true. I do want to point out though, that a major difference between league and Dota was that league has actually always been free. Yeah. League was always a free to play game. And so when that came out as a standalone and people were like, wait, I don't have to pay for this. Yeah. Oh, I think I actually kind of do want to do want to get into this game because of their experience with Dota and what they heard. And then basically someone was like, yeah, but you can get it for free though. And they're like, Oh, um, yeah, I'm not playing this Dota game anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It really did make it way more enticing. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, this is another... We talk about, you know, e- e- how StarCraft kind of led esports and all this. I also want to talk about how League and soon Dota kind of led the charge in microtransactions mm. and eventually what we've known in, uh, in um, Fortnite and Apex is the battle pass. Right. Like a lot of people, I don't think people put enough respect on the fact that that came from like the international right. stuff like that. Yes, very good. Um, yeah, you know, everyone sleeps on it mostly because I think not a lot of people play Dota 2. But yeah. yes. Um, so yeah, the formal uh, author of Dota, which was uh, Gwyn Su, partnered mm-hmm. with Brandon Beck and Mark Merrill to form Riot Games and develop League of Legends. League had a similar playstyle to Dota, but was developed on a completely unique map with unique champions. Most importantly was that it was free to play, like Dan said, and that made it way more enticing. And uh, But then in 2009, the same year that League launched, uh, famed Half-Life uh, developer at Valve announced that it had hired Icefrog, that the modder that had taken over maintaining Dota All-Stars after Freak left for Riot Games, and Ice Frog and Valve were working on Dota 2, mm. another standalone successor to the original Dota. Mm. And uh, Dota 2 was, uh, what was interesting is because you might be listening to this and be like, oh, then are they the same? No, they are two very different games. Yeah. And I say that as someone who's played and kind of plays both. Dota was incredibly faithful to the original Warcraft 3 map, and it had much nicer graphics, obviously, because it was updated, and it was free to play as well. I just want to say a quick thing about Ice Frog. Yeah. So Ice Frog was the lead developer, like uh, if he said, for Dota 2 and the original uh, in the original Dota. To date, he has remained pseudonymous, and other than revealing that he was 25 years old, and that, and that was back in 2009... Um, characteristics such as his physical description and real name are unknown, although it's the internet, so I'm sure they're known, <laughs> um, especially in that community. Yeah, right. um, right. Ice Frog speaks English and Chinese, which he learned in order to better communicate with Dota's large fan base in China. Mm. Um, I just find this fascinating that this was a 25-year-old who was like, oh, I know how to make this game better. Right. How exactly moving forward after that, does he get paid 
Oh, yeah. No, when he got brought onto the team, he was Officially. now hired as a... But before yeah. that, he kind of was doing it, right? To I do it like, for yeah, free. Yeah, but, that, then they were, but then they hired him. Yeah, so before that, whenever you saw mods, lots of times, sometimes they'd have like PayPal donation stuff. Right. But for the most part, you're doing it for the like love of it. Right. And this that was the cool part about mods is sometimes you got like you got to be a developer i think the closest example to that was uh player unknown battlegrounds right originally sure. was a mod to uh arma yes. which was a very realistic uh war shooter and then that turned into h1z1 which he went and developed and then he went and left the h1z1 team to develop player unknown battlegrounds so he yeah. went on to develop two different games and i believe another armor mod daisy got their own standalone game yes so this was and this isn't uncommon like lots of times if a mod gets popular they would be the person would be tapped to make a real game it's happening right now again as a matter of fact with this new game type called auto chess auto chess is another mod made out of dota 2 Mm -hmm. so there was a modification of a modification game that created this kind of chess game type that league of legends once again borrowed with yeah. big old air quotes to make their own title team fight tactics and it's another kind of just game type built out of the same game and i think it kind of goes back to what you were talking to at like the very beginning about how like the audience being able to interact with the product has like positives and negatives mm-hmm. like when you're just yelling at something it doesn't do anything but like when you have the ability to interact with it you just get the positives and negatives of people like i either play this or i don't yeah like league of legends People have been trying to mod League of Legends in different ways. If you go to the Dota 2 custom maps, there are several. It's not just Auto Chess. There are so many different modded Mm -hmm. things and different ways to play the game. But Auto Chess was the cream that rised to the top. And so, you know, the modification community has really, I think, you know, StarCraft deserves a lot of credit. Valve for Dota allowing this deserves a lot of credit. League of Legends, Riot Games to a certain extent being like, yes, modding is good. We'll take those ideas and do them ourselves. Yeah, I mean, Just they're not credit. losing it. I mean, yeah. they're not like losing right. anything by... No, uh, yeah. And in fact, they might be even getting jobs because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the interesting thing is like, you know, games have been doing of the fun thing of like borrowing it and putting its own spin to it. Right. Like I mentioned, H1Z1 spawned Player Unknown Battlegrounds, which then spawned Epic to, as a fluke, Add a battle royale version to their like tower defense game. Bro. That was the game they were trying to make a tower defense game. Right. And then their battle royale game blew up so much that they're like, all right, well, this is the game yeah, now. Literally. And they made a billion dollars. Yeah. You know, it is it, just so funny. And that now we're seeing the same thing happen with auto chess, where it was a valve thing. Then league does it. And now hearthstone is doing their own version yeah. of auto chess. Right. It's, it, it's just a fun thing of just like, and out of those people will have a favorite. Yeah. So now, after League of Legends, we yeah. have... Well, League of Legends is kind of like... It's kind of at the peak right now, whereas they're developing League and making it more and more, and uh, Dota 2 has kind of also cemented itself in this place. Like Esports has really solidified these games as just mainstays in the gaming community, and it's only... you know People are looking to those companies in general to make new stuff alongside these other games because they are just such mainstays like there's league of legends is still the most popular game in the world yeah bar none like it's played the most everywhere in the world and it it, it's 
frankly, it's like not stopping. They're making so much money on microtransactions, on skins. They just did a collab with Louis Vuitton. Yeah. That it's like there's there is no end in sight to so, the money that League of Legends. I know. Can make. I'm a. I will briefly talk about like the other MOBAs that kind of came and went because of it, but this is, I think, where the more fun discussion is going to be happening because I really want to talk about the influence MOBAs has had on the gaming community as a whole. Because MOBAs, for the most part, is a tastemaker game. Like, not everyone's into it. It's, and, you know, it is like most games in a MOBA is at least a 30 minute investment for one game. Right. Uh, so it's, it's definitely not for everyone, but, the things that they've done that have worked and been so successful or why a lot of our favorite games are successful. But, you know, we got to talk about Smite. Smite is still sticking in there. Smite's out there. And Smite, their spin on it is that it's more of a third person version. So you're, it's, you're, you're not getting the like top down view. It, it, it makes it a little more action based. Yeah. But then, you know, you had Paragon rest in peace. Uh, That's, you know, that was, that and and that Paragon is a rest in peace only because of Fortnite. Yes. Like, so <laughs> Paragon so, made by Epic yeah, Games. Yeah. Paragon was made by Epic Games. Right. It was their mo and like to be honest, it wasn't like it was a smash hit, but there was a dedicated community when I played. There was a whole yeah, I was playing. But <laughs> Fortnite was made a billion dollars yeah. and they said this is where we're going to put and who's going to blame them? If you make a billion dollars, Danny, if you off of a fluke recorded a R&B single and someone gave you a billion dollars would you still be writing <laughs> would you oh, or would you do yeah, another you know me. Or would you do another album <laughs> you know me I'm too creative <laughs> I take all that money and make a horror film Ooh, that's a great oh, idea Oh man! Yeah. I mean, I have to. I, I give Epic Games credit in that they make so much money off of the Unreal Engine and every game that yes. uses it. Oh, that yeah. you know, Let's, we have to do a sidebar on that. Sure. So Epic Games makes the Unreal Engine, which, if that sounds familiar, it's because it's kind of the engine they used to make Unreal Tournament back in the day, and kind of has been the industry standard. Like every game you play for the engine, yeah. but because they make the engine, game companies have to pay them. To use the Unreal Engine, it was it it was it essentially was like creating the video game wheel. Yeah. They were it, like, yeah. we so honestly, all the money like they kind of have this like flow of income. And personally, I think they should be way more experimental. Like when you have like that much flow, and they've been they you know I feel like Fortnite in itself was kind of an experiment. Oh, not definitely. Just just the game, not even the battle royale. The Fortnite right. as a tower defense, and it was kind of fun. I got into it, and man, it was it was crazy. It was wild watching Fortnite happen real time. Yeah. Because there are some people who are coming in now, but if you were someone who played it. This battle royale thing really was just a side thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was like imagine if Nokia stopped making cell phones and only made Snake. Like that's what Fortnite was for it them. Is kind of what it felt like. Yeah. Um, they just, I mean, they, you know, they had all the money, they used it, but they were very quick to cut stuff that wasn't working. Like we were just talking about Paragon. Mm-hmm. I was one of those people who threw twenty dollars at a founders pack. Yeah. And they, I'll say this to their credit. They had enough money from Fortnite that when they closed the servers for Paragon, they refunded every single player for every dollar they spent on Paragon. If you bought a skin, if you bought a founder's pack, if you bought anything, they were like, you know what? Our bad. We closed the game. Here's your money back. Yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. The company had enough money to refund every player, which is 
that's if that is truly unheard of. If you don't game, that never happens. Never. Like and and really like gaming has is in a new okay, I feel like there's lots of nuggets we we have stopped on. So like back in the day, that games that we are used to console games, a game comes out, you buy it. Yeah. When it's done. Now we're in an era mm-hmm. on PC gaming where there's a thing called early access games. And it's almost like you buy into the game before it's finished and you hope that it finishes one day. You pray. You pray that it finishes one day, but you're essentially buying an incomplete game, sometimes at a lower price than when it does a full release. Right. uh, In the hopes that, you know, you're supporting them, developing it. And this was originally a way for smaller developers to do it. And then somewhere along the way, larger developers just started doing it. Yeah, they were like, oh, we can get away with this? Yeah, we'll just do that. And it's just created an interesting culture. Because sometimes you do have people who, like, PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds PUBG was a a early access game. (laughs) When it launched, some may argue it was still early access. It was doo-doo. Yeah, and now they've kind of gotten their footing, but the damage has already been done because... In that time, Fortnite came out. Yeah, Fortnite, Apex Legends, Ugh, Ring of Elysium. I can, yeah, I can talk about. There's so many game battle royale games that came out after that day. I love it so much. Yeah. But to go get back to uh, MOBAs, so you had like your Paragrounds, you had your Smite. Smite's still standing right now. I think if you had to say that it w- it goes League, Dota, Smite, and now there's a few uh, mobile. MOBAs that, yeah. that are getting some traction. Arena of Valor is definitely yeah. picking up a little bit. It's very interesting because that holds a whole nother subject we can get into with mobile games, where mobile yeah. games are really on a path now, and people were real mad. <sighs> I mean, some people, Floof, a valuable member of my streaming community, the Salt Squad. After, of, the, of the Salt Squad, after we did the BlizzCon episode, the way we first interacted is he DM'd me and said I was a Blizzard shill because he because I said that I liked the uh, Diablo game and I was like <laughs> he's like he's like you're sounding like a real <laughs> Blizzard shill right now and I was like I'm just being honest I was like you you listen to the pod yeah. you know I I have no reason to lie if I don't like something I'm very honest about it and I'm just saying I did enjoy the mobile game for what it is and I do think mobile games are the future and now I get to sit back and watch as Call of Duty Mobile blows up as Arena of Valor is blowing up as PUBG Mobile, like right. mobile game because it's accessible. It's for the people. Right. Like, every, like how many kids have an Xbox now? Not that many. How many people have a PS4? No, not that many. How many kids have a cell phone? Literally at a all certain age, all of them. Well, I think that's where like Google Stadia is coming up and is, and is gaining a lot of popularity because it's not so much about owning the games or owning a system that is so good it's just about having internet fast enough to be able to literally stream the game to your phone yeah so you can play any game you want on your phone same thing with xbox's x cloud service that's coming out soon it's like it's really bridging that gap to bring everybody together to make it less about what you have or what you're playing on and just making it like hey are we all playing the same game it's like as cross platform is coming more of becoming more of the norm where we are also trying to, you know, li- uh, take off the limits on what people are able to play. Because like you were saying at the beginning, PC gaming is the best. Yeah. I completely agree as some sort of, you know, loser who spent way too much money on their PC. <laughs> but it, you know, I, I don't feel like I should have to say or I don't want to be the one to say to somebody like, oh, I want to play this game with you, but we can't because you're on a Mac. 
or we can't because you only have a PS4 or you only have an Xbox or something like that. Like that's that's lame. Yeah. I don't I don't like that. I would much rather play with everybody all the time than just be like, well, I have a PC and we can play PC games yeah. or I just have a PS4 and we can play PS4 games. It's like I don't think that is the future personally. Yeah. You um y'all kind of touched on the international, but I just want to touch on it a little bit more. Oh, yes, yeah. please. Um so the first ever international <clears throat> Was, which is a tournament, was held in 2011 and was the first official Dota 2 tournament. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was the first real time that we got to see the game in action being played at the highest level. Uh, and then, like y'all said, the tournament happened when Dota 2 was still in early development, still very difficult to play. Um, and not necessarily because the game was poorly made, but also because, you know, select people were allowed to play the early beta. This is very fascinating in that the last tournament, which was in August of 2019, the prize money was over $34 million. Yeah. Yeah. And they do a really cool thing with the, uh, the international now, now the fans are kind of contributing to the prize money because there's a compendium that you buy that unlocks tons of cosmetics, has a fantasy game where you can track the international. It really is like a companion to the tournament itself, which gets, I think is a perfect way to get your user base excited about this tournament. Completely. But every dollar spent towards the compendium goes into the prize pool. Right. Which is such a cool concept because, you know, you're directly kind of, helping your community grow yeah versus hoping for the best (laughs) amen i think bringing up esports is really important too because like mobas have wildly expanded the popularity of esports across the world it definitely started with starcraft Mm -hmm. but at but with league of legends and with the international you're seeing like record attendance of events record viewership of these of of the events on things like Twitch and YouTube and yeah. like Azubu and other and other streaming services and I think it really highlights how much people are investing into MOBA games as more than just like the game itself. Yeah, and that's and that's that's the link I wanted to talk about. Right. Where I said earlier cuz StarCraft was there was money in it, but I like if you if you have to know StarCraft to watch StarCraft. You you just you simply have to know. Like you'll understand when a team's invading, but that's 30 minutes in right whereas like a moba you understand two characters shooting beams at each other getting a kill someone sneaking it and also the excitement of seeing like the jungler pop out to harass and maybe get a kill early game i think even if you don't even play and i know a lot of people who watch you know league and watch like the it's called the lcs which is the league championship series i know a lot of people who watches it watch it and don't even play league right because it's a little easier to follow and I think that was the final piece to kind of bring it over here to a larger audience. And then, like we said, the money that was involved once brands saw that, like, oh, we can just make esports teams and they have to wear our logo when mm-hmm. they play in front of millions of people. Yeah. Oh, let's invest in it. And then you have like things like now esports blowing up across the world. You got Echo Fox, which is owned by Rick Fox or formerly owned by Rick yeah, Fox. I was going to say that's uh, yeah. parted ways, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that was all, that's a whole bunch of mess. But like that, the, that whole thing, Rick Fox leaving Echo Fox, I read on ESPN. Right. And this, and it was a long, flighty road. And like I said, I've been here from the beginning, I've been watching from the beginning. And I remember every time. I knew ESPN was going to cover esports. I go on Twitter and like, let's see what people are saying because it was ridiculous from the jump. And I'm going to tell you why, because everyone's like, Oh, we're watching video games on the sports network. It was like, yeah, bro. You're also watching poker. And those dudes are saying, Hey, you're watching bowling, bro. Get out of here, son. 
Like, you, get out of here. Don't Poker you ever. pushing it. Like, uh, yeah. bullying, I could see. Yeah, you you're gotta like, get up. You're actually moving. <laughs> yeah, but poker is literally the same same amount of movement as someone playing a video game. That maybe is more even just less. mental sports. Yeah. yeah. If you're thinking about it. And that's always, I mean, golf, you know? Like, you know, yeah, you oh, need a don't, good swing. Oh, don't make, don't make the golf people, oh, I know, man. Golf Twitter's <laughs> they put it in the yeah. hips yeah. and they, you have yeah. to be physically fit. I know. They will I, tell you they have they have to work out to yeah. play golf. I mean, but you ain't, you ain't in there like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're all pretty. They're yeah, no, all pretty fit. Golf, golf, I'm gonna give y'all. I'm gonna put some respect on golf. You do need uh, a lot of physical stuff. Um, but yeah, like, but I remember because I remember the first kind of big one I kind of saw because they did it briefly because Blizzard always kind of snuck in there. But they did the high school championship series, which was a MOBA that we didn't get to talk about too much. But Blizzard did their foray into MOBAs, which was Heroes of the Storm. Heroes of the Storm. Which, which was funny because Blizzard, where this all started, was kind of the last to kind of touch on it. Right. And then they started very, uh, very late, in my opinion, bringing in old champions. So you had like the Samurai, which was obviously the Berserker. And you had, they did that way too late like if they would have started with those champions i think heroes would have lasted a little longer we have to take a really quick break and then we're hopping back into mobas right after this ding dong las culturistas calling iheart podcast awards 2023 podcast of the year las culturistas with snl's bowen yang and comedian matt rogers there's stuff happening in 2024 that we really need to address pop culture and huge guests like the latest episode with Dua the more I think about it, the more scared and nervous I get. Listen to the newest episode of Las Culturistas with Dua Lipa and all episodes on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Las Culturistas to start listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame starting May 7th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. I was just telling Iffy, um, I was pulling up this Washington Post article 
about how we'll link it. It's how the League of Legends World Championship became the Super Bowl of esports. And this was uh, comments from a week ago. Yeah. Even I thought they would have like, I know originally, but this was a week ago. It says it's offensive to call this a sport. Can't some clever person come up with a new word and get famous for doing it? Um, my exact same sentiments. This is not a G damn sport. Um <laughs> Well, I guess, well, somebody did say, if he, someone said, well, if golf can be a sport, I guess anything can. <laughs> golf's neck. Uh, somebody else by the name of Tuna Fish said the brain gets a, a workout, but not sports unless the whole body, unless the whole of the body is involved. That is not true. That's not many sports, right. like yeah, archery. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk to the dictionary, the thing that knows what it's talking about and not some dork in the comments. So sport, number one is Indeed, an athletic activity requiring skill or physical prowess and often a competitive nature. As with the first thing I said, as racing, baseball, tennis, golf, bowling, blah, blah, blah. Two, a particular form of this, especially in the out of doors. So that two is saying that anything is like a form of it. Because also, ESPN is showing NASCAR. Shut up. Oh, yeah. that's true. You're sitting the whole. Yeah. Yeah. Like, true. What are you talking true. about? True. I, I also think that like, you know, d uh, MOBAs are really cool kind of uh, mix up of a bunch of different video games. Like you're saying there's R there's RPG elements. There's even like, you know, shooter elements. There's a lot of different elements that make up a MOBA. Similar how there's like a lot of elements that make up sports in general. And I think if you watch a broadcast of a League of Legends game, whether it's LCS, the World Championships, or something like that, there's a lot of things you see that are almost identical to traditional sports, basketball, mm -hmm. whatever, football, anything. First of all, the desk, the analyst desk, the people doing color casting, all of those people look just as professional on sets that cost just as much money as anything that you'd see for an NBA or an NFL broadcast. Everybody's wearing uniforms, there's teams, there's coaches, everybody is working together. The teamwork, the communication, all of that stuff I think is so that people would say is crucial to sports and like, you know, defines team sports is also crucial to esports and to, you know, what people are doing on stage when they're playing League of Legends or playing a game like this. I, I you know, I get that the lack of the physical element is, you know, but what people are selling But if you just brought up from. racing, yeah, exactly. it's very similar. I mean, it's, and granted, yeah. those people, it's also, also, I must say, the esports people have a workout regimen. Oh, absolutely. I know, because one of our friends, her brother lives in a house, like, she, he is on a team, and they have to live in a house all together, they right. train together. Right. It's like, you can't, you know, you have to be physically fit, mentally fit, like, you have to absolutely. be, in order for your brain to work. Yeah, I mean, quickly. it's a lot of hand-eye coordination. Sharp, yeah, hand-eye coordination. It's the same yeah. with um, drivers, race yeah. car drivers. All but, of the all of the like the really slight movements, everything that is like high motor skill function is like super on display, especially in esports. E everything oh yeah, is like split second to the moment decisions that are like creating games. That's why most people age out in their like twenties. Yeah, like yeah. because it, it is you need that much of that twitch effort, you know, as opposed to like I think the fighting game community has a like older base you can still kind of yes. bust out. But like something with like literally, if you, I just it. Look, the game's free. Go on League and just try to last click. It takes so much effort it's, to like yeah, because so it really hard. is like a split second. And then you're also looking at the mini map at the same time. Like it really is a lot of train stuff. Yeah. But I do want to talk about MOBA's effect on different games because I mentioned earlier you had the Battle Pass. The Battle Pass is very similar to like Danny was saying, the international, that compendium that came, you leveled it up. Um, lots of times with money, <laughs> you level it up with the oh, money yeah. you spend. You can always level uh, it up with I've money. Uh, like 
Steam, I don't know if it's still around, used to have a feature where you can see how much money you spent on a game. And who oh boy. Don't. Uh, Wait, don't, can you don't quickly tell people that. about Steam? Yeah, so Steam is one of the first kind of, because, uh, yeah, I remember it's since 2006 I was using Steam. Mm-hmm. It was one of the, it's by Valve, the company that have made Counter-Strike, Half-Life, eventually Team Fortress 2, and it it's essentially a store and a kind of a library for your video games on PC. For a long time, it was the only one of its kind. And then developers were like, we're going to make our own, but it's yeah, not going to exactly. be as good. It's yeah. going to be bad. Yeah. I will give Origin some credence because I do love Origin Access because that's how I was able to play Anthem without wasting any money. And that's how I'm able to play the new Jedi game. So Origin's the only one who got it right because they that's the benefit. And then now the rumor is that Origin's uh, going to go back to Steam. Uh, that's the rumor. What? Yeah. Is that really? Yeah. That's because Origin posted a video on Twitter of just a coffee cup and then steam coming out. Oh, geez, Louise. And so everyone's like, they're going to, they're going to steam. And then someone, of course, data miners found a code that had a launch, um, launch codes from steam mm. so yeah which i'm mad because i'm like does this mean i'm gonna lose origin access because if so i'm gonna lose my mind yeah no I because feel that. i love it uh for those who don't know origin access is just netflix for video games but specifically right. ea games so you pay a monthly fee and you get all ea games for free yeah. madden fifa anthem jedi fallen order uh unraveled unraveled 2 uh, no, what is it? Need no for Speed, speed Heat. Oh, need, No Escape. Need for yeah, Speed Heat. Need for Speed. Like yeah, it's a, a lot. huge library, yeah. and it's truly worth it. Um, a lot of places are trying to do it, and not as well as Origin Access, in my opinion. Yeah, that's definitely becoming um, more popular. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So Steam. Where was I with Steam? <laughs> we were just talking about what it was. It's yeah, iTunes so, for games. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Steam. Yeah. That that's a way quicker way to say it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, Steam is iTunes for games, and that's and I remember. Going to, I'd buy the BFC can of Monster, mm. walk into my PC cafe, wow. crank that playing Counter Strike one point, uh, one point what is one point six, yeah, one point six D Dust, D Dust two, uh, going hammer, get real dirty, uh, and then playing like a free to play MOBA called Rose Online because we were a chibi anime character and I was still a weeb back then, so I made my character have gold hair and look like Goku beautiful it has evolved into the premier platform for gaming uh and is the same company that developed dota 2 and eventually uh so and so valve had this dope system for the compendium where like you can buy microtransactions and you could even they have like the community they go even beyond modding where the community can create cosmetics for the community to buy and this is a very similar thing that uh, was first piloted by Fortnite uh, because they started breaking up the game into seasons. Oh. And then they had the battle right. pass where through um, through experience that you would earn from playing their game, you would unlock cosmetics. But you could also pay to boost it along, which already... Makes it, it made it better than the international because honestly, honestly, it was the same way for the international, but because every game took 30 minutes leveling right. up, your compendium took significantly took really longer long time. than this. And then after Fortnite did it, um, they, it kind of blew up for a bit. And I think Apex did it next. Apex was recently launched, which was EA's kind of uh, battle royale game that was launched from there. But I think that was one of the things that they kind of took uh, from MOBAs 
I think everyone's kind of been structuring their esports around it. Right. I think the Overwatch League exists because of LCS. They were able to watch how Absolutely. League, um, and this is actually a very important part of it that um, just if we can stop, take a pause on video games and talk about TV. LCS is owned by Riot, so it's their it's their game. They're running their tournaments. Uh, the International, owned by Valve, they're running their tournaments, and vice versa. This is a very important thing, because in TV, since video games are intellectual property, you need permission to broadcast it. Right. So when, back when I saw, you know, StarCraft, you know, on NBC, Blizzard gave them permission to air it. So you have different companies, um, like E-League, for example, who are doing Street Fighter games but they have to pay out Capcom to use that footage. Right. And lots of times they'll just ask for more and more money. And which is why you see a lot of these companies doing their own esports because right. they get to have all the money and they have to control it. Right. So that's actually like a very important ex aspect to point out in the game and why league is kind of dominated is because yeah. riot has had the wherewithal to do it. And that, and I will say that Overwatch also followed that point because Overwatch was on E-League first right? and then they launched their Overwatch The League, Overwatch League. Which also changed, like, I think I'm very interested to see where esports goes from there yeah. because typically esports are broken up into organizations, like we said, owned by different people. So you have, like, your Cloud Nines, which used to be an Overwatch team. You have you have your um, Dignitas, uh Evil uh, is it? Evil geniuses, evil geniuses, TSM, Liquid. There's there's so many esports organizations yeah. all over the world. But with Overwatch now, they own the teams, so you have like the Va Los Angeles Valiant and the Outlaws. But these are all teams owned by Blizzard, which means that this kind of I was gonna say that's that's actually not the case. Like the, really? the teams are still owned by organizations. Like the London Spitfire is actually owned by C9. Really? But what, but what Blizzard did that was like different, that was kind of trying to, they're just kind of trying to, not I shouldn't say bite, but they're trying to borrow from traditional sports in the way that the teams all have these like locations. It's okay. the London Spitfire. It's the Los Angeles Valiant. But they're still owned by They're still owned by organizations. They're still okay. owned by orgs, but those orgs are not allowed to advertise their orgs on any of their no jerseys. and way. That's Yeah, the jer if that's the thing. So it's like, they're they're trying to move away from the okay. kind of traditional esports market in the way that all esports are kind of decentralized. Like the reason that the NBA is so successful is because like one you know companies buy the rights to show the NBA. Yeah, there's like four major sports in this country. Yeah. Whereas with esports, there is a new esport every week. Yeah, and so you know even though MOBAs kind of set the mold for what a good esport is supposed to look like, like a lot of these new games have to even make that much money mm -hmm. to show themselves in the same light as League of Legends. Yeah. And Overwatch was like, okay, we need to be completely different from that. So we're having our own league that's not associated with any of this stuff. So it's like people who are Overwatch League fans, like I think they even struggle to identify with things like C9 or these other esports because they're like, I'm a I'm a Valiant fan. Yeah. I'm a, I'm an Excelsior fan. I'm not, you know, I play Overwatch. Like yeah. Overwatch really has this core community that just loves that game so much. I mean, and I do want to give Blizzard credit where credit's due because it's very easy to bash Blizzard right. for siding with China in this Hong Kong dispute. I have to mention that because if we talk about Blizzard and we don't mention that, yeah. people are going to be like, "Iffy, why didn't you mention that? Are you on Blizzard's side? No, right. you know me." 
you know, you've seen my tweets. Yeah. You know whose side I'm on. I mean, and also in case you were curious, League of Legends, the company Riot Games is oh, yeah. 100% owned by Tencent. Tencent. So if yeah. you're curious about whose pocket they're in, yeah. the answer is I mean, clear. Well, because, it, and that's a very important thing to say because League tried talking that smack <laughs> and oh people gosh. were very quick to be like, yeah. hold up. Wait, you're kind of not yeah. talking that smack at all. And that's kind of the, in, that's the kind of like, connective tissue is it yeah. is not that necessarily blizzard is on the side of china it's that blizzard is owned by tencent which is in china yeah. <laughs> uh which uh and that's that's what happens when your, your business uh gets into play with art is you don't get to yeah. say everything you might want to say because nope. your boss is uh owned by the man mm. but to uh what i will give them credit for is they were the first um Esports kind of, uh, I get, yeah, they're the first esports to give players a salary and benefits because, as it stands, e- the way esports worked before outside of the Overwatch League is you had a team, your team's winnings is split amongst everyone. But what happens when you and the out? org, yeah, and the org, yeah, so, so you're getting a percentage after the org gets it, yeah, it's like your manager or something, yeah, pretty much, and so. And you're you're like, you know, we talk about, you know, football players who are in their 20s not knowing how to manage money. What's a 16-year-old? Like the kid who just won a million dollars in Fortnite. Yeah, Booga. Yeah. And he's like, what, he's like 16, 15? Yeah, six, yeah 16 what, years what, old. What does a 15-year-old know? I mean, schools already don't teach us about money management. No. Now you're 16 with that much money. Right. You know, it, it makes it hard to, like, understand, like, investing it in the right way, making it go towards something. I mean, hopefully his parents will help him out with that. But in esports Hopefully. orgs, you know, you're making all these monies, especially if you're a successful team, right. but you don't have benefits. So, like, if you do get sick or if something does happen, you know, I mean, Danny will tell you out of everyone, being sick is very expensive in uh. America. And, you know, having a million dollars, if you have something like a chronic illness, that can go away real quick. Yep. So Blizzard. Oh, well, what I was going to say, if you want to hear more of that conversation and the controversy of like being in esports, we had a really great episode with Malik Forte. Yeah. It is our esports episode. It dropped mm-hmm. last year, but still very relevant. Mm-hmm. We Super talked relevant. About that. We talked about a lot of the controversy, even like uh, doping, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. that's not really regulated mm-hmm. uh, when you are you know, have a new sport come up. So check out that episode. You can literally just Google or look up Nerdificent Esports. You're already on the feed. Just search. I saw Malik recently. I think he was in like a Honda ad. It was like an ad for Honda and he was driving to an Overwatch event. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. so cool. Makes sense. Good for him. You work to a level and people just ask. Yep. Um, well, I mean, that's pretty much most of MOBAs. That was, was really that was a great good history. Influ- yeah. yeah, we I think we did great on the history, but it was really fun talking about the influence because I I mean, with anything like I want to say with games, but just anything entertainment wise, it, it's fun to see the things that might be affecting the other things you love. Right. Like, you know, someone who plays Overwatch might be like, what about MOBAs and not knowing like, oh, actually, MOBAs kind of helped you. I mean, I mean, MOBAs kind of built Overwatch because it uses a MOBA oh, definitely. skeleton. Oh, absolutely. Um, but <laughs> and that's how they killed Battleborn. Uh, oh, R.I.P. Yeah, bringing up, uh, bringing up old wounds. Woof. But Dan, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at DJ underscore Daniel. You can find me here at the office every day, cutting up people's voices and doing the usual. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you both for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Fun talking mobas. I will. The last thing I will say about mobas. 
I highly recommend everybody tr at least give one a try. If you're into video games at all, I find that MOBAs are such a cool combination of different mechanics of many different video games that if you're interested in video games at all, there is something about MOBAs that will interest you. And to lightly touch on the toxicity, just mute everybody. Don't talk mm -hmm. to anybody else. If you have your friends in a Discord, talk to them. If you have a toxic friend, do not play with them. Just play a MOBA for fun. Give it a, give it a shot because they're super fun, adventurous, just well-designed games that I, you know, they're the most popular in the world for a reason. So definitely give them a shot. Yay. Danny, where can people find you? Oh, I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez. And I don't think I can announce anything. I have so many things to announce, <sighs> but I'm not allowed to. Um, I hope in a week, next time you guys listen, I can announce something. Yay. Um, but in the meantime, oh yeah, check out our merch store. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. tpublic.com slash nerdificent. Yeah. Get some of our merch. You know what's yeah. coming up? The holiday. Yeah, buy your friends a Nerdificent shirt. Or even mug. if they don't listen. Now that Maybe they'll start listening because yeah. you got them a shirt. It's tpublic.com slash nerdificent. Yeah, and of course, because people have been asking again, the Discord is discord.gg forward slash salt squad if you want to come in. If D's on Twitch, if you want to weigh on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, like we always say, stay nerdy. Stay nerdy. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. iHeart Podcast Awards 2023 Podcast of the Year Las Culturistas with SNL's Bowen Yang and comedian Matt Rogers. There's stuff happening in 2024 that we really need to address. Pop culture and huge guests like the latest episode with Dua Lipa. The more I think about it, the more scared and nervous I get. Listen to the newest episode of Las Culturistas with Dua Lipa and all episodes on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Las Culturistas to start listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame starting May 7th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.